0: Yama, I'm your host, Nairi Pakai, and welcome to NITV Radio for this Friday, 19th of January. Coming up on today's show, NITV speaks with Irene Widgway about the documentary, Her Name is Nanny Nelly, set to premiere on NITV on Sunday the 21st. Irene shares with us the story of her great-grandmother, Nanny Nelly. And we also speak with Simone Kenmore, Commonwealth Bank's Executive Manager of Indigenous Business Banking, with a promising partnership with Supply Nation that will aim to support Indigenous businesses. We also share stories from the NITV News team. All these stories and more coming to you after the weekly news wrap-up on NITV Radio. Aboriginal peoples increased the spread of tree species that held cultural and culinary significance as a response to colonisation, new research has found. Bunya pines have been important to Aboriginal peoples for thousands of years, with a bumper season signalling important gatherings on the east coast. The giant nuts come from the cone of the Bunya pine, the Araku ria Bidwili, which dates back to the age of the dinosaurs. Genomic tools are now helping to retrace past Indigenous dispersal of the ancient plant species and could help with conservation. Sydney's Botanic Gardens has been part of a collaborative cross-cultural research team that found Indigenous peoples Increase the movement and genetic mixing of the Bunya pine in southeast Queensland in response to European colonisation and resulting in land clearing. The Northern Territory Minister of Mining says he's excited Santos Barrosa pipeline will go ahead after the federal court dismissed a claim by Tiwi traditional owners proceeding had been brought by the Jikilara ruwu owner Simone Mankara over the pipeline, which would which he argued would damage sacred cultural heritage sites underwater in the Timor Sea. In November, the court issued an emergency injunction which halted work on gas export pipeline just hours before it was set to commence. But the federal court has now dismissed the case on Monday, ordering the Tiwi Islander applicants to pay costs to Santos. NT Minister Mark Monaghan says it shows Santos has met its obligations.
3: Look, I'm frustrated, as many Territorians are frustrated, about uh, some of the delays that uh, are are causing this space. But then again, I'm also reassured that this is what happens in a democratic country. We are very excited today that uh, another hurdle for uh, Santos uh, has uh, been removed and they can get on with providing an energy source into the territory that is worth $6 billion to our economy.
0: A new walk in service has been established at Western Australia's State Library, which aims to support Aboriginal community members to learn about their family history. Government organisation Aboriginal History Western Australia has been operating since 1997 and is now providing access to their records for the period between 1886 and 1972. Community Education Officer Dwayne Kelly says the project is providing important access to information and acknowledged for community members who continue to be impacted by the legacies of colonisation.
1: It's, it's really rewarding um, to see people learn about things about their own family they didn't know and to really fill in the gaps that might be there through, you know, whatever sort of removals or other things that happened in the past.
0: Prime Minister Anthony Albanese says high-income Australians will still receive tax cuts, even as the government remains committed to managing inequality. The Prime Minister has reaffirmed the controversial stage three tax cuts under under which high-income earners are set to receive the highest gains will come into effect from July 1st. The package, a policy of the former coalition government, will abolish the 32.5% and the 37% brackets and bring in a single 30% bracket for incomes between $45,000 and $200,000. National's MP Barnaby earlier told Channel 7 Sunrise the Albanese government should not alter a policy it did not mention in its 2022 election campaign.
3: The stage three tax cuts is about giving some of your money back to you. It's very easy to get a surplus when I just use the money out of your skyrocket and put it into the government's treasury in Treasury bucket and we've got to start giving this money back.
0: Mr Albanese has told ABC tax cuts had been factored in to the policy on inflation and that Labor will continue to look at measures to help Aussies doing it tough in the lead up to the federal budget.
4: We think that in
3: terms of income tax relief, that is one way that can assist people because it does mean extra dollars in people's pockets.
0: Education Minister Jason Clare insists the government is doing everything they can to ensure affordable education for Australian families. It comes as a new report reveals one-third of parents can't afford to pay for essential school equipment, such as stationery and uniforms. The Finder survey of 1,039 respondents also found 11% of parents admitted they would have to go into debt to pay back-to-school costs. Mr Clare told Channel 7's Sunrise program that school funding, public school funding, was the answer to reducing costs for parents, as private or independent school fees is one of the biggest expenses.
2: The
3: the big important things that we need to do this year is make sure that we fund our public schools properly to make sure that they've got the resources they need to help children who fall behind to catch up, to keep up, to finish school, so that for more parents' public education, public schools are their first choice. Uh, So that it'll help with costs, but also make sure that their children get the education that they deserve.
0: A new national grants program has been launched to address growing rates of HIV and viral hepatitis in Australia. Indigenous health experts say the impact of these health conditions on First Nations people compared to the wider population is significant and growing, and it is hoped the grants program can change that. According to the Kirby Institute, recent data shows the incident of HIV and viral hepatitis is higher among Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples than it is in non-Indigenous Australians. The new $4.4 million grants program launched by the Gilead Sciences, the Lewicha Institute and the Poach Centre for Indigenous Health is to target Indigenous-led organisations to address disparities that drive transmissions of HIV and viral hepatitis. Professor James Ward is a Pijajara and Ngunnaku man and Director of the Polsh Centre for Indigenous Health at the University of Queensland.
3: For HIV, we've got about 1.3 times the rate of notifications for HIV compared to the rest of the population. And for viral hepatitis, um, despite very good treatment available now for hepatitis C, um, available on the PBS since 2016, we've got more hepatitis C in our population now than than ever before, and at a rate three to five times greater than the non-Aboriginal population. We have all the science available to um, make big differences for HIV and for viral hepatitis, uh, but we haven't yet implemented it at a local level that's uh, been meaningful enough to change this disparity.
0: Prime Minister Anthony Albanese is heralding the success of the government's urgent care clinics, which opened up last year. He said the 58 urgent care clinics promised by the federal government opened by the end of 2023 and are successfully providing free and accessible health care Mr Albanese says the government is ensuring Medicare services make health care affordable for all Australians who are fighting the rising costs as a result of inflation.
3: We tripled the bulk billing incentive in the budget. The largest injection of funding to assist Medicare uh, that has happened since Medicare was founded. In addition to that, urgent care clinics, like the one here, people, all they need is their Medicare card. That's a new form of health service delivery. It's based upon models that have been successful overseas.
0: The New Zealand government's summer of discontent has resumed as Prime Minister Chris Luxon faces criticism for opting out of nationwide gathering called by the Māori King. Mr. Luxon had hoped to keep attention on his 100-day plan, including 49 deliverables the government has pledged to meet by March the 8th, instead of focusing on Kingi Tahita's national hui for un- unity in hiha near Hamilton on Saturday. Thousands of People are expected to descend on the Waikato town for the talks after the Māori king issued a royal proclamation, the first in a decade for the event. Mr Luxon says he won't be joining them, instead dispatching Māori affairs minister Tamapataka and another Māori mem- MP, Dam Bodoir.
1: Well, it's not actually a political event per se. It's actually not for politicians. We are not front and centre in those conversations. It's an opportunity for Maori to come together. I'm very supportive of it. I think it's a good idea uh, to be able to think about where is Māori going out to 2040 and beyond. And so that's the nature of the conversations that have been happening, is feeding uh, into the big, big event and the big hui on Saturday. Um, but, you know, as I said, I caught up with uh, the Māori King uh, earlier in the week, and I'll catch up again uh, with him and other iwi leaders uh, over the course of Waitangi as well.
0: And in sport, Australian Daniel Sanders has missed out on finishing in the top three at the Dakar Rally motorbike race. On Wednesday's 10th stage, a 371-kilometre route around Aluha in Saudi Arabian Desert, Ricky Barbeck led home in his Honda teammates, Chilean Nacho Cornier and Frenchman Adrian Van Beveren, in a dominant first, second, and third place. Sanders came in fourth on the stage, 47 seconds behind Barbeck, who edged his teammate Cornio by just two seconds to take first stage victory of the race. And in tennis, Alex Dimenoir, is preparing for a gruelling physical battle, battle against Milo's Raonic, in which his first round match on the second day of the Australian Open. Australia's world number 10 faces off against unseeded Canadian at Rod Laver Arena on Monday. Australia's big home hope is riding high off of the back of a strong performance at the United Cup, including a defeat of world number one Novak Djokovic, who won his first round match against Croatian Dino Prismic. But despite being sidelined for almost two years with a catalogue of injuries, Roanek retains a supersonic serve that could easily snatch the match away from Demenoir. And that is NITV Radio's News Weekly Wrap-Up. Welcome back. You're listening to NITV Radio and I'm your host, Nairi Pakai. Coming up on NITV Radio, I speak with Irene Ridgway about the documentary set to premiere on NITV Sunday, twenty first. Her name is Nanny Nelly. It's a documentary of family, of a mystery unfolding, storytelling and reconnection. Irene shares her deep family connection, but also revealing a human story that many people can connect to. And Commonwealth Bank and Supply Nation join forces to launch a new business banking education and training solution to support Indigenous businesses. Commonwealth Bank's Executive Manager Indigenous Business Banking, Simone Kenmore, joins NITV to share more. But first, let's take a look at the stories from NITV News Team. Music Keep the fire burning, black, loud, and proud. That's the theme for this year's NADOC Week celebrations.
4: We really wanted to capture, I suppose, the moment that we're going through, in light of everything we went through through last year. Um, it was really important that we got back to our grassroots and remembered what what NADOC is all about.
0: NADOC Week which first began in 1975 provides an opportunity for all Australians to learn about First Nations cultures and histories and participate in celebrations of the oldest continuous living cultures on earth. Each year, a different theme is selected by the national NADOC committee, which provides the focus for the week. This year's theme calls for a reclamation of our narratives and an amplification of our voices and an unwavering Commitment to justice and equality. The country's premier tennis tournament has showcased Indigenous culture to a global audience. At its annual First Nations Day, it comes in a historic year of black excellence, as tennis champion Yvonne Goolagong Crawley celebrates 50 years since winning her first Australian Open.
1: Indigenous excellence for the whole world to see. Tennis fans braving the Melbourne rain for a day dedicated to culture.
4: For us as Aboriginal people, it is such an honour to have us being celebrated on the world stage and showcasing who we are and what we're about.
1: Spectators and visitors from around the world also took part in a smoking ceremony and Wurundjeri elder Auntie Joy Murphy conducted a welcome to country. Meanwhile, Indigenous kids began the morning with a hit on Margaret Court Arena, many of them taking part in programs at the Yvonne Gulagong Foundation.
2: It's all about keeping the kids in school. We're using tennis as a vehicle to create better education and health.
1: The Wiradjuri tennis legend celebrating 50 years since she claimed victory in the Australian Open for the first time.
2: 50 years! Oh God. When I first heard that, 50 years, I thought, suddenly it made me feel old. Uh, I am old, I'm 72, uh, but, but you know, how time flies. I must have been having a good time because 50 years just went like that.
1: A trailblazer smashing open barriers for First Nations people for more than half a century. Cameron Gooley, NITV News.
0: As we head towards January 26, seven First Nations people are the finalists for their respective Australia Day Awards categories. In South Australia, the Young Australian of the Year is Kauruga Nation woman Tiani Ann Adamson whose family come from Thursday Island. Tiani is a conservation scientist whose passion is First Nations environmental justice. As a child, she was taught to care for country. Now she's using her science and communication skills to bring two worlds together.
3: In abalone are really culturally significant Food and fuel for the Noorunga people.
0: Tiani Adamson is forging
3: links between ancient knowledge and cutting edge technology, ensuring Indigenous knowledge is embedded in a climate change solutions company. So this is Paricha, which is the Kaurna word for seaweed, and this is the story of CH4 Global. CH4 Global is manufacturing a seaweed feed supplement to reduce the methane byproducts of cattle farming. It's more than the whole emissions of China just from burps and farts. So we have come up with a climate tech solution where we feed seaweed to livestock and it reduces their methane output by 90%, which is pretty incredible. Solving environmental challenges through a First Nation lens is her passion. From training Indigenous youth in advocacy to ensuring community play an active role in solutions. Tiani trained in science communication with American climate advocate Al Gore. Last year she spoke to thousands of people about the intersection of climate science and First Nation justice. We have so many different countries and different nations represented that need their voices heard to be able to contribute to these conversations. Then it's about being able to take tangible actions with co-design and co-management, so working with First Nations people to uplift these solutions off the ground. She's the South Australian coordinator for Seed Mob, the only First Nation-led youth climate group. Being able to carry on that custodianship of our country and work with young people who are First Nations is really incredible. It's just the most uplifting and fulfilling
0: thing I can possibly do. Peter Doherty, NITV News. Welcome back. I'm your host, Nori Pakai, and you're listening to NITV Radio. I had the opportunity to speaking with Irene Ridgway for NITV Radio. Irene is the great-granddaughter of Nagaro woman, Nanny Nelly, who had been made a sculpture of in 1925. Irene shares with us her experience retracing Nanny Nelly's story and the other two sculptured men, Jimmy Clements and Harold Marsh, in the documentary set to premiere this Sunday 21st January on NITV. Her name is Nanny Nelly. Premiering on NITV on Sunday is a powerful documentary of once nameless statues commissioned for research in 1925, just about 100 years ago. Nanny Nelly is giving, oh, the documentary, Her Name is Nanny Nelly, is giving power back to Nanny Nelly, the accompanying statues and her descended family. We are joined today by Irene Ridgway, great-granddaughter of Nanny Nelly. Welcome. Thank you for talking with us today.
2: Hello, Nari. It's lovely to be able to come on and talk to
0: you. Yes. Yeah. Just to preface, you've worked in retracing your family for 20 years. You said that before, um, off air. But that's just a little bit of context on how deep you go into this documentary. Yeah.
2: Um, the docu- it's a full documentary. It goes for about 70 or so minutes. Um, it traces, um Nanny Nelly's life, um, from where she was, when she was born. And she was born in 1867 in Bombala. All the way through to when she passed away at Waterfall Sanitarium, um, in 1932. And throughout her life, we follow her life until, um, up to when the statues were made. And you're right, there were um, other people, um, indigenous people, along with her that were made into statues as well. One of them was Timmy um, Clements. And um, the other person uh, was a young boy. Um, his name was um, Harold March, And uh, there were commissions from um, the, uh, the Australian Museum. At that time, in 1925, a man called um, Ernst Wanderling was the curator of the museum. And um, he was noticing that throughout the world, other museums were putting Indigenous people on exhibition, showing that, you know, you may not ever see another Indigenous person again. So the exhibition in, in 1925 was was about putting Aboriginal people on exhibition because it was a dying race. And that's what, mainly what the exhibition was about there back then, uh, which is totally untrue.
0: Isn't it? Yeah. So you've done the hard work of connecting the dots uh, of your family history with Nanny Nellie, but how does it feel to be able to share that journey with the rest of the world?
2: Hi, um, Nari. It's an absolute honour to be able to share Nanny Nellie's life with everyone to show how an Aboriginal woman who was born back in 1860s um, travelled around. She travelled to many, many places. She uh, went from, born from in Bombala. Um, She went, traveled out to Warangesta. She lived in Maruya, Walaga Lake, uh, Tilba Tilba, Batemans Bay, and um, ending her life in Sydney um, at Waterfall. So, so, um, you know, uh, her trials and tribulations, you know, her heartaches, um, and everybody she met along the way. um, It's all been documented. so it, it's an absolute honour to be able to share that with everybody.
0: So Nanny's, Nanny Nelly is obviously special to you as a family member and special to your family. But what made her a person of interest for these um, for these artists and these researchers? I, back
2: then, um, it was who they could get. Jimmy Clements was becoming very notable with his political, you know. Um, uh, what he was doing politically, he marched um, to meet the king. Uh, the king, didn't he? Uh, a little bit later, but um, he was quite a political man and a, a, a huge statue of a man. I'm not we're, not. we're still not quite sure how Nanny Nelly got involved, but at some stage, um, she would. I, I have noted um, through my research that um, she did stay with them on and off in their camps. So, and there's a small snippets of those uh, within research documents that, that I've found. Um, so, um, 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 and Harold mask, uh, what drags them, puts them together is their colour in it, of course, as well. Back then, they wanted um, Indigenous people who were very dark. Um, and that's where Harold Marsh got dragged into this story. They would be tamed by the police because of their
0: colour. The director, Daniel King, is your son and is Nanny Nelly's great-great-grandson. How was the experience for you being able to work with family so closely? And how did Daniel also feel working on this in the process and then also the production to be able to share this story? Oh, um, look, um, you know,
2: I've been researching for over 20 years and um Daniel and I when we first started talking about Nanny Nelly, um, you know, in the in the from the very beginning, he said to me that um this would make a great story, Mum. You know, and the fact that she was um put in cast by Rainer Hoff, a very famous artist, the sculpture back in those days in 1925, You know. Um and working with Daniel, um, it's just been the most amazing experience. Um He is my oldest son. Um, He's a filmmaker, very talented, and um, he's an expert at what he does. He uh, led me all the way through, um, and that was pretty amazing uh, for him to do that to his (laughs) mum. So, yeah, we got on really well. Mm. You know, um, it was very emotional. So, yeah.
0: There are... Two other statues, as you said, uh, Jimmy Clements and a young boy Harold Marsh. Um, mm. What was I know this is probably part of the plot and their story, but is there catharsis in uh, retracing them and what their story is? Mm.
2: Not only did we want to direct our own family, um, we wanted to also find the descendants of. Um, and of Harold Mars, we were really grateful to be able to find, um, of course, Uncle Jimmy's family and tell them, um, which they had no idea that he was um, also portrayed in this exhibition in 1925. Um, Unfortunately, it was a lot harder to find Uncle Harold Mars' family because um, he was taken away from Griffith when he was nine years old or to Sydney to stay there while he was made into a cast, a plaster cast. And plaster casts they're both, they're all authentic. They have everything on them. So a young boy um, made to um, pose naked while he was being cast. That's been horrific for him uh, and for um, both Nanny Nelly and um, also um, Uncle Harold, um, Uncle Jimmy Clement. And then after um they had finished with um young Uncle Harold Marsh, who was only nine, they never sent him home. They sent him out to Bruina to a mission out there and he was basically lost from his family his whole life. Um, I do believe some of the research that I've caught up with um has shown that um, um he he does have family but it was very hard um to um Find and relocating back with the family that he ha- you know, that he had because it had been so so long. Um, but when we had the exhibition last year at the Australian Museum, um, one amazing thing happened somebody had come along and um, said that they were Uncle Harold Marsh's family. so we've, we've hopefully reunited him with his family
0: as well. It must be so special to be part of other people's stories and being able to connect dots for them. What do you hope for people who watch this and tune in on Sunday for the premiere gain from your story?
2: I think there's a lot to be said about uh, this story. A lot of people will um, identify with these storylines because I mean, let's face it, lost generation is still a lost generation and they're still living today. So a lot of those people will say, you know, this happened to my grandmother, this happened to my mother, this is still happening to me. So, you know, it crosses um, many lines and many ages and um, people will, will identify with this storytelling, absolutely, you know, this truthful storytelling.
0: This is such a, spout, a powerful story that you're telling, not just for Nanny Nelly, but also for your family and the families of uh, the other two men, Jimmy Clements and Harold Marsh. I just want to uh, thank you for coming on and sharing just that little bit more.
2: Thank you very much, Nori for um, for having me on your show. Um, I do hope everybody gets to watch it. It's um, on NITV on the 21st at 8.30, 8.6. Um, her name is Nanny um in ITV like and SBS on Sunday the 21st of January at 8.30, um, and it also streams on SBS on demand. Her name is Nanny Nelly, is part of the SBS um, network's content slate um, for the 26th, and that is always was, always will be. So um, we're very happy that it kicks off.
0: That was Irene Ridgeway having a conversation with NITV about the documentary, Her Name is Nellie. If you wanted to catch that, it's on Sunday the 21st at 8.30pm on NITV. If you miss it, you may find it on SBS on demand at sbs.com.au stay tuned for a conversation with Simone Kenmore sharing with us ComBanks and Supply Nations team up to support Indigenous businesses welcome back You are listening to NITV Radio. And now, a conversation with Simone Kenmore, Commonwealth Bank's Executive Manager of Indigenous Business Banking. Commonwealth Bank announces an an agreement with Supply Nation to offer a dedicated business banking package and education series for Indigenous businesses. Commonwealth Bank and Supply Nation are teaming up to launch a new business banking, education and training to support the growth of Indigenous businesses. We are joined today by Commonwealth Bank's Executive Manager, Indigenous Business Banking, Simone Kenmore. Thank you for joining NITV today. Thanks for having me, Nari.
4: Um, just as a bit of an intro to myself, I'm, I'm a proud Yunkanjara woman. I've got family connections to the arriningo Kitchenjara Yunkanjara lands in remote South Australia. Um, I've worked in Indigenous health, uh, disability, aged care, community services, for around twenty-seven years and have been really lucky to live and work in some of our remote communities. I'm really passionate about Indigenous self-determination and economic opportunities for our mob. Um, over the past 18 years I've been leading Indigenous business banking at Combank and have spent a great deal of time listening to Indigenous businesses and some of the peak bodies like Supply Nation um, to, you know, to further inform you know my work in the bank. I feel really privileged to be part of the vibrant Indigenous business sector.
0: So this is it, it's Commonwealth Bank and Supply Nation uh, launching this, its business banking, education and a training solution. What will this look like for businesses seeking that kind of support?
4: Yeah, for CommBank, we've um, streamlined access for Indigenous businesses. So we now have a dedicated Indigenous business number, one three hundred zero nine six three nine four. So when Indigenous businesses call that number, they'll be greeted by our culturally trained Indigenous business concierge team, who'll be able to assist with their initial inquiry. And for those more complex queries, the concierge team has access to over 120 culturally trained banking specialists. And they're located right across Australia. And um, most of them have an existing portfolio of Indigenous businesses. So they are experienced and are able to provide the right support. Um, Our Indigenous business banking proposition has both a product and service offering to provide holistic support to our Indigenous businesses. And our product offering focuses on working capital solutions because we've heard from some of our business customers that cash flow is a challenge. And so our Stream product, uh, which is a digital solution, allows businesses to manage their invoices and enables them to continue to grow. Um, Our service offering is what I'm really excited about. Um, We're collaborating with Supply Nation on an Indigenous Business Education Series. Hoping to launch in March, we'll deliver regular education and networking opportunities for the Indigenous business sector on topics that are relevant to them, so marketing, cyber safety, governance, cash flow, risk. Um, And I'm really proud that Combank and Supply Nation has committed um, to providing holistic solutions. So we're ensuring streamlined access, of products relevant to the needs of Indigenous businesses and importantly that business development support.
0: That's interesting that they can look forward to this coming up in March uh, to be able to access it. How does this new training differ from what support is already offered by ComBank and Supply Nation?
4: Yeah so from the ComBank perspective, our new offering goes beyond traditional banking. Now, we're really looking to develop deeper connections with Indigenous businesses and the sector more broadly. Combank is Australia's largest bank, so we do have a role and responsibility to support the growth of the Indigenous business sector. We're really keen not to duplicate existing services and support. We really want to add value to the sector. Um, I think a focus on procurement through our collaboration with Supply Nation will really amplify and support the growth of the Indigenous business sector.
0: So this partnership, it's putting uh, support front and forward, like a dedicated Indigenous business line and a urge like uh, you just said, um, to streamline the access to uh, capital and business support. How did you come about making these the specific things that need to be offered? for uh, Indigenous businesses?
4: Yeah, I think in my work with Indigenous businesses and communities over the past 27 years has really taught me that our mob are our greatest resource. You know, so over the past 18 months, I've spent a great deal of time listening to Indigenous leaders, business owners, community members, uh, but I've also spent a lot of time with our bankers who have really great relationships with our Indigenous business customers. So those relationships have informed our offering uh, and we'll continue to listen and develop out that offering as we go. So we are about to recruit an executive manager of Indigenous business products, which I think really demonstrates ComBank's commitment on an ongoing, um, you know, path to improve our offering for Indigenous businesses.
0: You just said that uh, ComBank is uh, improving its pathway to offer... uh, different types of offerings, Um, what does ComBank and Supply Nation gain from having this partnership together?
4: Yeah, I think for ComBank, this is about us acknowledging the social impact of Indigenous businesses. You know, we know Indigenous businesses give back to their communities, they employ more Indigenous people. So when we support Indigenous business, we know we're supporting Indigenous communities. we want to foster deeper relationships with Indigenous businesses, which gives us deeper customer insights to further inform our work. You know, our vision at ComBank is to build a brighter future for all, and we can only really do that if we're prepared to listen and build strong and trusted relationships. And so that's what this new offering and collaboration with Supply Nation is all about.
0: So this is for uh, Indigenous businesses to access, but is there... um criteria for accessing this? Is a business too small? If it's just one person, is one too big to be able to um, access this? Is there certain sectors that you cater to?
4: Yeah, we cater to all Indigenous businesses. So whether you are a small or a large business, living in regional remote Australia, no matter what industry you're in, um, we've got a suite of product solutions um, and we know that banking needs differ from business to business. And so that's why we've got our team of over 120 culturally trained banking specialists to support the individual needs of each business. Um, our Indigenous business education series with Supply Nation will be accessible to all businesses. So you don't have to be a Combank customer and you don't have to be registered with Supply Nation. You know, this is the, our opportunity to give back to the Indigenous business sector, which is really exciting.
0: Mm. What do you um, anticipate for Indigenous business sector over the next few years?
4: Yeah, I think over the past 18 months in this role, I've seen a growth across all industries, so retail, construction, office supplies, health, art, tourism. um, And, you know, the research that I'm reading coming out of Melbourne University and Supply Nation suggests rapid growth for the Indigenous business sector. Um, The Commonwealth Indigenous procurement policy has certainly supported the growth of the Indigenous uh, business sector in recent years. And I think you'll see more growth, especially with corporate Australia's move to sustainability and their ESG commitments. You know, it's an exciting time for Indigenous businesses and I just feel very privileged to be part of the community um, and ComBank uh, is certainly committed to supporting the growth of the sector.
0: As a consumer, it's an exciting time for Uh, seeing these businesses really grow too and having them offer more for us. Um, I want to thank you for coming on today. Oh, thank you so much for having
4: me, Nari. It's lovely to meet you.
0: That was a conversation with Commonwealth Bank's Executive Manager, Indigenous Business Banking, Simone Kenmore on nitv radio and that's all we have time for today's program you can listen back to the program anytime online or catch any of the stories on our website at sbs.com.au nitv radio will be back next week with more stories from right across the country thanks so much for listening i've been your host nairi pakai and you have a great weekend